So you get to be seated and I have to stand. You know, in, 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 in the days of Jesus, the, uh, those who, who did the preaching and teaching, they sat. Pretty good idea. But I won't try to break things apart here. So This morning we're going to consider what I consider to be a, a very, very special passage of Scripture one that has ministered to my heart so much over the years, and my prayer is that it might minister to your hearts today too. I've entitled the message, The Good Part. Reading from Luke 10, then, beginning at verse 38 through verse 42. Now as they were traveling along, he entered a certain village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary, who moreover was listening to the Lord's word, seated at his feet. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and bothered about so many things, but only a few things are necessary, really, only one. For Mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her. Do you love God? Do you love God? Getting pretty personal, right? Let, let me put it in a different context. If, if you were sitting by the Sea of Galilee after Jesus rose and you were in Peter's place, And instead of him asking Peter, he asked you, do you love me? Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, asked you, do you love me? How would you answer it? Peter had trouble answering him. Maybe we do too when we compare ourselves to his love, right? Do you tell him you love him? I remember Paul Harvey talking about a man who, or a woman who was asked if her husband told her he loved her, and he said, well, she, he has. And she said, well, when was the last time he told you? And she said, 57 years ago. And, and the man doing the interviewing said, well, how do you know it was 57 years ago? And she said, because today is our wedding anniversary. And he told me on the day we got married, I love you. And if it doesn't change, I won't tell you again. If anything changes, I will tell you. And he never had said another thing, so he loved her. I'm not quite, or not recommending that anybody out here, husbands or wives, that you choose not to say it. It's important that we do. Let me ask you this. Do you know for sure God loves you? Are you comfortable in his presence? When you're all alone, are you comfortable there, knowing he's there with you? Is your Christian life characterized more by satisfaction, you know, the peace, the joy and all that the scripture is talking about? Or if you're honest, would it be, would it be characterized more by a sense of frustration? 
Would you consider your walk with the Lord a success or a failure? Do you go through the day with a clarity of purpose or, in all honesty, is it more confusion of what you should do, when you should do it? Do you find that you have strength for the task God calls you to, or would you be marked as a coward sometimes? Many Christians love God, but they aren't comfortable around Him. Oh, they know some things about Him, some facts, but they aren't really sure that they know Him in an intimate, personal way. They claim to have a relationship with Him, but they really don't communicate with Him. And I mean both talking to Him and listening to Him. And they read about, they hear about peace and joy about renewed strength, about a strong sense of purpose, but they can't honestly claim those experiences for themselves. And oh, oh, how they wish they could. Instead, they feel like a walking contradiction in terms. Why is that? I believe it's because many Christians neglect or misunderstand a whole area of the Christian life which Jesus in our text calls the good part. The good part is the devotional life of the Christian. Too many Christians take a worldly approach to a spiritual life. In Proverbs 16:25, we read, there's a way which seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. And I believe that there are many Christians who are on a dead-end path. And there are many who once were true Christians who have come to the end of that path and have given up the faith in frustration. Many Christians affirm that they've found the true way, that they're headed along it, that it is the path to true peace and fulfillment in life. But their confusion, their frustration, their cowardice makes you wonder. Or, or they cover up their confusion and frustration with a smug superiority, which is really more repulsive than it is winsome, much more a mask than it is the truth. Again, I believe that what is lacking for so many Christians is a truly satisfying devotional life. And that's what this text is all about. We'll consider the lesson, the challenge of this text. To be able to consider the the devotional life of the believer and to discover some things that Jesus had to say about it and to make it the good part of our lives. The good part. Three things that I want to teach you today. Three things I want you to come away convinced of and three things that if you can affirm them, you can put into practice then what, what God is speaking to you about today. The first is this. The good part is a choice. You must choose the good part. Notice Jesus as he's speaking to Martha, and she's come frustrated and wants him to tell Mar- Mary to get off her dead backside and, and, and get into the kitchen and, and help her get the table set and the meal ready and, and all of that. And Jesus doesn't do it. In a very real sense, he defends Mary and he brings correction to Martha. He said, Mary has chosen the good part. The good part is a choice. What is it? 
Well, we read in verse 39 that Mary, moreover, was listening to the Lord's word and seated at his feet. That's the good part. Time spent in the presence of our Savior. Mary took the time to sit at the feet of Jesus. Time to listen to what he had to say to her. And time to speak to him things that were on her heart. She had the gift of time given her that day to develop a closer relationship with him, to love him and to enjoy him and to worship him as she sat in the presence of her Savior. Mary was given the gift of time to be able to experience Jesus' love for her. Mary made that choice. Martha could have made the same choice, but she didn't. Now, to be fair, both loved Jesus, not just Mary. Martha loved Jesus too. Both believed Jesus to be their Messiah. In fact, in John 11, Martha, when she comes out to to meet Jesus at the funeral of Lazarus or those days after the funeral, she claimed that he was the Messiah, her Messiah. So she had a faith, even as Mary did. what, What Martha chose, which was service, wasn't bad. It wasn't even inferior. You know what it was? It was out of order. It was just out of order. And in that sense, it's not sinful, but it's a mistaken choice. Martha chose service. To do first. To serve. And if there's time, to visit later. She stressed doing for her Lord. Where Mary, by contrast, stressed being with her Lord sitting at his feet. Martha began with worry, with mistaken priorities. And in her hustle and bustle, she ended in frustration with an outburst of anger directed at her Lord. Don't you care, Lord? Don't you care? I've got to do everything. Mary just sits here. Don't you care? Tell her to help me. Mary, on the other hand, began with rest. She enjoyed fellowship with Jesus and ended with a deeper and a truly abiding joy. Martha, I think, wanted to impress Jesus with her commitment and her service. It was a tangible way, if you will, for her to prove her love and hopefully to affirm her worth. For Mary, she was more impressed with Jesus. With Jesus himself. And she showed her love and her adoration, her worship by attentive listening and by very candid conversation. Martha stressed giving. Mary received. And what a privilege Mary took advantage of that day. And there's a point in all of this and it is this that a worldly mentality, a mentality of the flesh, has no place in true Christianity. See, the world takes a utilitarian approach to people. They decide that a person's worth is determined by how much they can do. Their worth is is valued by their usefulness. Or... People take a a very materialistic approach to life. They worry about the here and now. 
They worry about their appearances. They worry about making the right impressions. Now, every Christian, every one of you who believes here this morning is called to serve the Lord. But the principle in this text is that the good part must be the highest priority of the Christian. It's a choice that each of us must consciously make. And the good part, when it's pursued first, will strengthen and motivate you to accomplish whatever services the Lord may ask you to render. Rest before doing. That was Luther's attitude. I remember reading once, and I believe it was in a letter to someone else, He wrote like 300 letters to his barber. Can you believe that? (laughs) We have over 3,000 letters of Martin Luther. He wrote to anybody. He'd have written to me if I'd asked him. (laughs) He said, I'm so busy today, I'm going to have to take an extra hour in prayer. He's not trying to be funny. He's not trying to be cute. He's not trying to impress somebody else with his piety. He's speaking what he really believed in his heart. His attitude was rest before doing, that I get what the Lord has for me, which will strengthen me for whatever service he calls me to each and every day. I need to receive instruction so that I can have clarity of purpose. I need need to just wallow in his love. Can I use wallow in that sense? You know what I mean? Just bask in it. Because it is His love. When we sense it, when we experience it in that personal way, it gives us assurance and strength to face the day. And so I ask you today, you don't have to stand up and give answer, but please answer within your own heart. Have you chosen the good part? Have you? Have you chosen the good part? The second thing that Jesus teaches in this instance is that the good part is the essential part. The good part is the essential part. Jesus says in verse 42 that only a few things are necessary. Really, only one. For Mary has chosen the good part. It's necessary. It's essential. Fellowship with Jesus, building a relationship with him is and must be the highest priority for the Christian. And it's not done first and foremost by what we do, by how hard we can work. It's determined by us taking time each day and resting in him. I know it's easy to say, well, I've got this to do and then there's that to do and a couple of other things that I really need to get done first. But if, if there's time, well, then I'll have devotions. Then I'll spend time in prayer. Then I'll study the Word of God. Then I'll read that Christian book that I've been intending to for months now. And you know what? It's kind of like time is our enemy. You ever feel that way, that time is your enemy? (laughs) Let me remind you something today. God controls time. Do you believe that? God 
controls time. Our lives, the times of our lives are in his hands. And as a Christian, our lives are to be submitted to him even in terms of time. Perhaps part of your frustration with time is that you're trying to control something that you can't and never were meant to. Put time back in his hands. Let him lead you in your use of it. Time for the Christian should not be the enemy. And here's the thing. And I hope that just this just amazes you. God, God will find time for you. God will find time for you. Time for you to experience the good part. He he wants it too. Isn't that amazing? That's beyond amazing. The creator, the king of kings, the lord of lords, the one who is in control of time, wants to take time to be with just you. So that you might experience the good part. Too many stress doing as the highest priority of the Christian life. In fact, pastors and churches are all too often responsible for misleading their people by stressing programs and functions and somehow in so doing, they, they, they substitute those things, those activities, that doing for the good part. And it isn't the good part. And when the good part is minimized or forgotten, then people never really get to know their Heavenly Father. Then people will begin to lack assurance of their standing with Him or or they begin to base their standing with Him on what they've done. And that's nothing more than legalism. That's totally of the flesh, not of the Spirit. People undertake their tasks without the joy of the Lord as their strength and they get spiritually exhausted and people will also finally end up like Martha, dejected and angry, shaking a fist at God and saying, don't you care? Oh, maybe they don't yell it out loud, but it's here. It's on their mind. Don't you care, Lord? Look at how hard I'm working for you. But when people stress doing is the highest priority, they will invariably use it to try and win God's approval. And they will become slaves to it because it will become for them the primary means by which to express their love for him. Look what I am doing for you. And somehow they think that their busyness will make for a better relationship with God. How many of you have known or know a workaholic? About everybody here? I've seen some hands go up. I've seen a few of you shake your heads. Okay, think about the workaholic or workaholics you know. Do any of them have good relationships with others? You see, personal relationships aren't that important to them. It's what they do.
important to them. It's what they can get accomplished that matters most to them. But I want you to stop today and think, do you have to do something for God to to win his approval? Seriously? Like Like a little child trying to impress their parents. Daddy, watch me. Look what I can do, Dad. Watch, watch, watch me. But you know, a good father already loves his child. They don't have to prove anything. In fact, sometimes all I wanted, boy, and every time I think of this text, it just renews that desire. Sometimes all I wanted was just to hold my children. Just to hold them. Just to love them. Just to cuddle them close. So does our Heavenly Father. And that's true, my friends. That's what He wants in the good part, is just to take you to Himself and to love you. To speak to you to care for your soul, to renew you in that peace that passes understanding and in the joy that isn't dependent on any earthly circumstances. And he wants that and he's there for you. I pray that we might want it too. That, I don't know. Why would he want to enjoy my company? And yet he does. Isn't that amazing? Why would he want to spend time with you? Why would he desire your company? Why would he want to pull you close? But he does. Because he loves us. And you know what the good part shouldn't, the the, the primary purpose of our devotional life is, is not so that we become Bible scholars. It's not for somebody like me you know, the opportunity to, to get some sermon material. And it's really easy to, as a pastor, approach the, the good part as a working part <laughs> and to expect I'm going to get something special here. Nope. You know what? He'll give me something special, but it's not for you. It's for me. And when he gives you something special, it's for you. Not for anybody else. And he takes care of each and every one of us during the good part. We're going to sing sweet hour of prayer. When we really say that, is our heart or our minds set on God so that we are in a prayerful way, ready to to speak to him, ready to listen to him, whatever whatever the time. And you see, again, trying to impress God is is ultimately useless. Because all that we have spiritually is a gift from Him in the first place. And He wants our simple devotion more than anything else. The third thing we learn in this text is that the good part will last for eternity. The good part will last for eternity. Jesus says, Mary has chosen the good part which shall not 
be taken from her. In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul writes, Love never fails. Where there are prophecies, they'll cease. Where there are tongues, they'll be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it'll pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfection comes, the imperfect will disappear. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see, but a poor reflection is in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall fully know, even as I am fully known. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. And in our devotional time, we have the opportunity to build a relationship with the Lord, a relationship that will last for eternity. We have the opportunity ourselves to sit at the feet of Jesus, whose words are words of life. Yes, the routine things need to be done, but loving God really is the highest priority for any of his children. And it needs to become then the most important part of our daily routine. And if it isn't, I challenge you today to reconsider that time. See, it's all the extras that take our hearts away, and they don't last. I mean, you can't get too concerned about relationships, and especially your relationship with him, if you're more concerned about other things. It's hard to be comfortable in his presence if you don't spend time with him, and it's impossible to have strength or conviction for the tasks he gives to you if you operate on your own strength rather than his. God loves you. He loves you. It's a fact. It's a personal truth. It's a truth that changes our lives. He wants a close personal relationship with each of us here. He wants us to experience his love in a most deeply personal way. He wants to replace your frustration, your confusion, and your exhaustion with his presence, his strength, his peace, his joy. That you might experience life in a whole different way. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He won't grow weary or tired. His understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord, those who wait for the Lord, will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And I pray for you today that your life might be changed forever, filled with the knowledge of God's love and his grace for you. And I pray that your life might be improved for eternity because you will choose the good part. Amen. Lord, thank you for your word to us today. Thank you for the good part. And it really is. Lord, help us to experience it anew. 
the privilege of coming into your presence, of sitting at your feet, of studying your word, of letting you speak, and of in turn speaking to you about our needs, our wants, our desires, those needs of others. Thank you, Lord, for the good part. Use it in our lives. Make it really become the best part of the day for each of us. In your name we pray. Amen.